Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us here today. Now join us for a replay of this Sunday's experience with week three of Summer in the Minors with our executive pastor, Rachel Ritter. I hope that you are awake because I'm really, really excited about this message. We are in week three of our series, Summer in the Minors, where we've kind of been digging deep into some of the minor prophets of the Bible. Now, they're not called the minor prophets because what they had to say was less important than some of the other prophets. It's just that they, well, had a little bit less to say. Some of the uh, books of the minor prophets are the smallest books in the Bible. And Pastor Scott, he is on vacation this week, so he'll be back next week. Um, That's a miracle when your lead pastor uh, takes vacation, so miracles do happen if you don't believe that they do. Um, But he kicked things off in the book of Haggai, and he really uh, had us take a look at what happens when we find ourselves uh, at this point in our life where we think, man, like, I'm coming up short, like at this, at this point in my life, I should be better off, I should have more, I shouldn't still be dealing with this, right? And, and he talked about choosing the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. Can I get an amen on that? That was good stuff. He shared with us what to do when we find ourselves in just seasons where we're just discouraged. And he says, you know, remember, don't play the comparison game. Don't compare your start with someone else's finish. He says, don't give up what, uh, by what seems like a lack of progress. He says, be strong and do the work. And I truly believe that these messages are very, very timely for us. Because as I began to pray and to seek God of where he wanted me to be in the Bible this week, the book that he pointed me to really is a continuation of this same conversation. Because I believe that some of us are in really tough seasons right now. And God wants you to know he is in the fire with you. Because today we're going to look in the book of Habakkuk. Now I'm going to go ahead and preface my message by saying, I know that there are multiple possible pronunciations of the name Habakkuk. I did my research. The consensus seems to be they are all acceptable. So if you pronounce Habakkuk differently than I do, congratulations, we are both right. (laughs) But a little bit about Habakkuk. He is one of the 12 minor prophets. And we actually know less about him than we do any of the other prophets. He lived approximately 600 BC. And it's believed that he was a temple musician before becoming a priest and a prophet. And what's happening on the scene right now, where we're at actually takes place before um, Haggai and where uh, Pastor Scott has been. But what's happening is the people of Judah, they're beginning to fall into sin and wickedness. And the deal was, there was this covenant between God and his people that if they started to act up, get sinful, and start acting like the nations around them, that God was going to punish them. They knew that. So you have Habakkuk here, and he's watching God's people fall further and further away from him. And and he wants to know, God, why aren't you punishing them? You said that you would. Habakkuk wants God's people to be disciplined so that they can be corrected and get on the right path. So he's watching as they slip further and further into sin, and he's thinking, man, this just, it's not fair. God, you're not holding up your end of our bargain. And that's the big question I want us to kind of dig into today is what is our spiritual response when God doesn't seem fair? Habakkuk is saying, God, you're not being fair. You said you were going to do this. You promised that you would step in and you would make things better and you're not doing that. 
You're not being fair. How often times in life do we find ourselves in situations that don't seem fair? A lot because we ask, we ask the kind of questions like, God, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do evil people seem to prosper? You know, I've lived my life dedicated to you, God, and everyone else around me always seems to get the blessing, not me. Why did I have to lose that person? Why am I going through this? God, why aren't you being fair? And Habakkuk is a great place to look for those answers because he's asking those kinds of questions of God. So let's take a look at Habakkuk chapter one, verse one through four. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. I'm always amazed sometimes when I read scripture and I think, are you sure that was written in 600 BC and not 2023, (laughs) right? So you have Habakkuk here and he's looking around and everything that he sees is a mess. And he says, why must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must, I for, why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction. And what he's saying here is noteworthy because what he's saying is, God, what I'm seeing doesn't match what I know. What Habakkuk is seeing in his situation right there doesn't match what Habakkuk knows. The things that he saw, the destruction, the violence, they don't line up with what he believes should be happening. Because Habakkuk loved the Lord, and he believed that he was the God of all creation, capable of anything, and in control of everything. But when he looks around, what he's seeing doesn't match that, and he doesn't understand. How oftentimes do we find ourselves in those situations? We look around, and everything is a mess. All we see is brokenness. Brokenness in our our marriages, and our families. Brokenness in our children. Misery at work just destruction in society. That's what we see, right? But yet we know and we believe what God's word says, right? Right? Jeremiah 29, 11, probably I think the second most like quoted scripture after John three sixteen says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We know that, but sometimes what we see doesn't seem to match that. So what do we do? Well, for Habakkuk, he begins to question God. And I think that brings up a good point. You know, is it appropriate for us to question God? Because I think sometimes people think, well, if I question God, man, I should be ashamed of myself because it means I don't have enough faith. But in the Bible, we see countless times where people question God. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, continuously asked God questions. Gideon questions God in the book of Judges. Abraham and Sarah had some big questions for God. The Psalms are full of psalmists who are asking God and trying to help understand what's happening. Job had a lot of questions for God. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Poor dude. In the New Testament, the disciples, especially Peter, always asking Jesus questions. And even Thomas, who's seeing Jesus' resurrected body in front of him, still had questions, 
See, I don't think it's wrong to question God because it's how we get to know him and understand him better. Think about back before the internet and online dating. You used to have these things called, uh, these events called speed dating, right? And these people would come and you kind of get paired up and your timer would go out 10 minutes and then timer would go off, you'd switch, go to the next person 10 minutes, go till you had, had met every guy or every girl that was there. What do you think they spent those 10 minutes doing? Not just kind of like sitting there, reading, thinking, like they're asking each other questions, why? Because that's how you get to know someone, that's how you gain a better understanding of who they are. Or like when your spouse or your kid like does something like that you just can't even comprehend, you ask them like, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Why do we ask them that? Because we're trying to better understand. And so you have Habakkuk here and that's what he's doing. He's trying to understand God, what are you doing? So he's saying, God, I see what's happening and it doesn't look like you care. You aren't listening to us. You aren't saving us when I know you can. This doesn't seem fair. And many of us are in those situations right now. There's some of you who are single and you're doing the right thing, searching for that right person that you want to build your life with. You're seeking after God, seeking after Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. But yet all the people around you, all your friends and families, they're finding that Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect and they're getting married and they're living happily ever after, but you're still single. Doesn't seem fair. Some of you who have found that perfect someone and you fell in love and you got married only to soon find out they are not as perfect as you thought they were. Marriage is tough and you fight and the, like where did the love go? And, and you just, you look around and you think this isn't how it was supposed to be. And you look at every other couple, you know, that you come across, you think, man, they're so in love and they have it together. Not us. It's not fair. Newsflash, they're, they're dealing with the same thing too, FYI. But some of you've worked really hard your, your whole life to, to build a career based on godly character and wisdom. And you've chosen the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. But you find yourself in a situation where people who seem to have little to no character at all are getting all the breaks. And so it's like everything that you've done doesn't even matter. And you think, man, it's not fair. There's some of you who are desperate to have a baby and you are seeking God, you are praying, you are fasting, you are doing everything that you know to do and you silently suffer through your friends' baby showers and gender reveals and you say, God, this is not fair. And that's where we find Habakkuk. He's questioning God and he's saying, I, I don't think this is fair. Why aren't you doing something about this? And this is what God says to him. Take a look in verse five. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Okay, all right, off to a good start. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, seeking, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes. They scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone. 
but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. And let me just say, if I find myself in a situation that I don't think is fair and I'm, and I'm crying out to God, God, please show up and, and save me. Um, this is not the response I'm hoping to get. Because think about like when you were a kid and you know you've done something wrong and so you know like punishment's coming and so you're thinking, man, I hope like maybe it's just go to bed without dinner or maybe I'll like get grounded for a couple of days. Nobody wants a, like mom or daddy to like bust out the switch, right? Like, because we knew we had to get punished but we didn't want the worst of the worst punishment. But Habakkuk, so he's here and he's looking around, he sees this mess, he knows, you know, God, you gotta step in, we need punishment, correct us. Um, but God's response is, I'm gonna raise up an army of your enemies who are bigger, better, and stronger than you. And essentially he's saying, um, he's gonna go find the biggest switch he can find for them. So Habakkuk at this point is left with more questions than answers. And that's what he does, he continues to question God. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins. But you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? So in chapter one, you have Habakkuk questioning God about this desperate situation that he doesn't think is fair. God responds to him to which Habakkuk asks more questions. But it's like we said in the beginning, we're looking to see what our spiritual response should be when we find ourselves in these situations. What position do we take before God when we don't understand what he's doing? And so here's what Habakkuk does. Chapter two, verse one. I will climb to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I love this because see, he's providing this, this perfect spiritual response here. When you are facing something that doesn't seem fair, that you don't know what to do, and you've asked God the questions, why is this happening? The response you should have is to wait and listen. Some of you might know I'm a bit of a talker. And, you know, I like to get to know people. I'm one of those like never met a stranger kind of person. And it's because I genuinely want to know people. I want to get to know them. And the way that I do that is by asking a lot of questions. But the thing is, is if I go to someone and I ask question after question after question after question after question after question, and I don't actually stop to listen to their response, I'm not gonna hear anything they have to say. So my questions are pointless. So when we question God, we have to be prepared to stop and wait and listen for him to respond. And that's what Habakkuk does. He says, I'm gonna go to my watchtower. I'm gonna stand at my guard post. I'm gonna wait to hear your response. But not only is he gonna wait and listen for God to respond to him, but he's gonna continue to do the work that God has laid out for him. I think sometimes we think um, in those moments where God's calling us to like be still, that means like be still, we're just not gonna do anything. And, and that's not what Habakkuk does. He doesn't say, well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find a quiet place to rest so that I can you know, have nothing bothering me while I wait for your response. God can respond no matter what situation you're in. He's calling us to still do the work. He doesn't say, um, you know, stop doing the work and, or you know, wait in that moment and then once I respond to you, then you can keep going. He doesn't want us to do that. Habakkuk says, God, I know that you're moving in this situation, even if I don't see it. So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stand watch and I'm gonna do what you've called me to do until I hear from you. 
And I just, I can't stress enough this response that Habakkuk has because I don't believe that he just really wants an answer from God, but I believe that he is seeking for God's reply, not just to inform him, but to change Habakkuk's understanding and perspective of the situation. He recognizes that his perspective, what he is seeing in this moment is coming up short from what he understands God's promises to be. And so he's actually seeking God to change his perspective. When we seek God, are we looking for information from him or transformation from him? I don't want information from God. I want transformation. I don't want to just understand my situation, but I want to see it from a completely different perspective, from God's perspective. And that's what Habakkuk is seeking here. And so this is what God responds to him. Verse two, then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. God tells Habakkuk to write out his response. You have to think about it back then. When you told somebody to write it out, it wasn't kind of like, oh, I'm going to take a quick little note here. They had tablets. They had to carve them out. It took time. It took effort. You only wrote the most important, valuable, noteworthy kinds of things down. And God tells Habakkuk, what I'm going to do is noteworthy, and you need to write this down. And you need to share it. What unfair situation are you in right now? that needs to be changed through a promise of God. Write it out. Write down the promise of who God is and the truth of what he is going to do. See, I believe that we as humans were created with one purpose, and that's to glorify God. We all have different walks and and, and plans in life, and, and we all do different things, but I believe we share one purpose, and that is to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. So how do we do that when we find ourselves in the midst of a situation that's terrible and unfair? We share with others the promises of God and what he's gonna do in our life, even when that does not look like what we see. To glorify God in the midst of our mess is to go ahead and take a seat at the table that he has prepared for you in the middle of your war. Psalm 23, 5, you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It is one of my absolute favorite scriptures because I just think about the visual of that. I picture a scene just of of battle and chaos and fighting and war and just destruction. And there in the middle of it is this incredible table that God has prepared that is unlike anything you could ever imagine and probably has so many tacos on it. And it is just beautiful. And I just see it, and it is cloaked in peace and joy, like this little bubble in the midst of chaos around it. And when you take a seat at that table and you speak from that space, rather than the situation you find yourself in, that kind of response will glorify God. That kind of response will astound those around you, and it will point them to Jesus. So that's what Habakkuk does. It's that, that second part of the question that we ask. He waits and listens and then he writes and shares 
What promise are you prophesying right now in the middle of your difficult situation? Write it out. Don't write out what you see. Write out what you know, what you believe. Write out that promise that you know is coming. God didn't tell Habakkuk, hey, you know, write out all your questions. I mean, he did to probably give us context, but he says, write out what I am telling you is coming and share it. It's part of that perspective shift. And what's helpful about that is when you write out that promise, you now have a physical thing to look at, to see, rather than what you're actually seeing surround you. You put that note where you can see it each and every day. And instead of seeing the situation around you that doesn't seem fair, you're seeing God's promise. That physical reminder that will not come back void. Because I know that we go through pain and suffering and trials, and I know that's where none of us want to be. But if we keep our eyes fixed on what we know and not what we see, we're able to live out the scripture that James says that says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to be complete. I want everything that God has for me. When, see, God will allow us to go through these seasons sometimes because he wants us to learn and to grow. When we are shaken, it reveals the cracks in our foundation. We should rejoice in suffering because, see, when we experience injustice and pain and suffering, it should remind us of the afflictions that Christ took on our behalf. Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect and sinless life, experienced the most unfair, inhumane, unjust treatment that one could ever imagine so that you and I could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our big question we're asking today is, is what is our spiritual response when we're in a situation uh, where God doesn't seem fair? And I kind of tricked you with that question because I said when God doesn't seem fair, implying that, you know, that he's fair and we're just not seeing it. But God is not fair. He is just. If God were fair... He would have said, we are all sinners and we are left to deal with our sin accordingly. That is fair. But he is not fair. He is just. Justice is what you do in order to make something right. In order to keep in right relationship. So he didn't do what was fair and leave us to die in our sins. He was just by sending a savior to die on the cross in our place. Jesus took on each and every one of our sins. And I just think about that, you know, even personally sometimes, man, thinking about someone who is absolutely perfect and never did anything taking on the sin that I committed and dying for it. Think about even just the amount of sin from us here sitting in this room and someone taking that. But Jesus took the sin that every single person who would ever walk the face of the earth, he took that on and I just think, how do you even breathe under the weight of that? But we have a just father and he did that so that we can experience freedom. 
So when you think about a situation that you might be in and you think that it's not fair, remember, it might not be fairness that you really want. What you want is what God has promised you. When you have questions, take them to God. I promise he is big enough to handle your questions and your doubts. The name Habakkuk, it means he that embraces or a wrestler. Now, I grew up uh, watching 90s wrestling. Uh, back when, like, The Rock was actually a wrestler and actually a really bad actor back then. Um, <laughs> but you had guys like Ric Flair and Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had all of them, right? And, you know, the thing about wrestling is that in wrestling, you can't really wrestle unless you get close to one another. Like imagine if you show up to like Monday Night Raw to watch this wrestling match and this is as close as they get to each other. All night, that's all they do. It's gonna be a long night. It's gonna be pretty boring, right? But wrestling, it requires that you actually get up close and personal with each other. Like I don't know if you can get much closer than these dudes are right now, right? That's what you need to do. When you don't understand, when you have questions, it's okay to take them to God. Take your doubts and your fears, your anxieties, your worries, your, your whole situation. Take them to God. Embrace him. Wrestle with him. Because the best place in the world to be is in his grip. Because how much closer can you get to God than that? I want to wrestle with God because I know I'm as close as I can be to him. And finally, Habakkuk shows us what to do when we embrace God, when we're wrestling with him about something. We are to worship and to praise him. Habakkuk shows that in chapter three. And it starts out, it says this, because he was a temple musician, it says this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. And since I love you, I'm not gonna sing it, but I'll have some musical accompaniment to it. Um, but I want us to dig deep because this is Habakkuk worshiping him. He says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. And when he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Cushion in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the seas? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. 
You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people. To save your anointed ones, you crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe with his own weapons. You destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking that Israel would be an easy prey. You trampled the seas with your horses, the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this, my lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. The scene before Habakkuk had not changed, but in his worship of God, his perspective did. He knew that God was moving before he, there was actually evidence that he could see it. And it's through his questioning that he experienced the transformation and the realization that sometimes God's gonna move in, in mysterious ways that we're not going to understand. But his ways and his timing are always perfect. Habakkuk realized that even if everything fails, he says, I will rejoice in your name because I know your promises and I know that you are faithful no matter what. Our situations are not fair, but I don't want fairness. I want God's promise. When you feel stuck, you gotta chase after God. You gotta embrace him. You gotta wrestle with him. And when we question those seasons that we find ourselves in, Make sure that we're, we're seeking not just information, but transformation. I know many of us are in situations, maybe big or small, that don't seem fair. So what I want us to do as we close today, I want us to, to stand up and I want us to worship. And I want us to do that because it's in our worship of him that our perspective Thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can check us out every week for our Sunday experience at 10 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person here at 4070 Mission Road, right here in Tallahassee. All right, have a great day.